You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil. And I'm Erin, and we're thrilled to have you here with us while we kick off our Revelation Bible study this week. Now, if you listened to our episode last week, you knew that we were kicking off this new six-week series, and today we are in chapter one. But it's actually going to be a much longer series than just the next six weeks. So Revelation is a 22-chapter book. So what we've decided to do is take the first half and release it here on the podcast. And if you're loving it, we'll encourage you to head over to our Patreon page, which you can reach in the link below, so that you can have access to the entire second half. And exclusively for our Patreon supporters, we are going to be putting together guided practices, visualizations, and meditations from the book of Revelation that will help enhance things that we've talked about in our conversations here. Yeah, I mean, this is basically going to take us just to about Lent. And so we didn't want to keep going into Lent with this series. We have some other really cool things coming up, um, but do highly recommend going over to Patreon because we have other exclusive content as well as things like this. Also... I'm going to shamelessly plug for Phil's book here and say what we have done too is if there are things that are in the book of Revelation that you have question marks about, but they come into the conversation in Phil's book, we are not touching on those in the podcast. So there are some, there are some uh, pivotal moments in the book of Revelation. So don't be startled when we skirt them because we already have released content about those. So yeah. you can go check out Phil's book for a good overview slash take on some of the specifics but his book couldn't cover everything yeah well and and so we can't avoid all of it so there'll be a little bit of overlap but what i'm really excited about is i had to come up with sort of a thread that went through the book and sort of taking you somewhere so that it wasn't just a commentary and that means there was so much content that was left out of the book and so we want to be able to dive into some of that here so Ah, well said So we're going to begin right with chapter one. And if you haven't read chapter one yet, that's okay. You can either pause right here and go read it or go read it afterwards. But as we enter into the book, one of the things that I think is absolutely vital is that apocalyptic literature, this book is actually called the Apocalypse of John. And apocalypse has to do with revealing the true nature of all things. Not really a book of one-time predictions about the future, but is revealing the true nature of all things. It works by speaking to your emotions first. So one thing I would recommend, this is a practice everyone can go do, is to sit down and just start reading huge swaths of Revelation at one time. And I promise you, you will instantly pick up on what Phil has just talked about. You are going to feel some very strong feelings ranging from confusion and frustration to joy and awe to terror. And it all kind of mixes together, but that's on purpose. And and that's really wise of John. Um, we live in a society today, post-enlightenment especially, that speaks a lot to our minds in the church. So we're used to hearing sermons and getting a lot of Bible studies and getting a lot of knowledge. Whereas the culture often speaks to our bodies and our emotions. This is why they say things like sex sells. Not because they have to tell you that the woman or the man on the screen is attractive and you should want to um, look like them or have someone like them like you. You naturally, without necessarily thinking, 
feel that way about the person they're putting. Now, 100% of the time, that's not true. But that's what they're trying to sell, right? Mm -hmm. Is a feeling in you. They're not talking to your logic. They're talking to a deeper place within you. And so this is often how advertising works. It speaks to our emotions first. And um, in the church, we've gotten very away from that back into our minds. So we are used to often reading the Bible and saying, well, what is the right answer? What is the information that I need? But often the Bible was written, especially apocalyptic literature, to make you feel first. Now, what is the reason do you think that John would want you to feel first and think second? Because that is exactly what will happen as you read Revelation. Yeah, because apocalyptic literature is trying to help you see something you can't see with just your normal human eyes. I mean, this is a vision, right? So John, it says, he says that he's in the spirit in verse 10 of chapter one. This is a vision that John has. And It's sort of like that passage in Isaiah where God is like, my ways and my thoughts are higher than yours. Um, For us to see them, we need to see them in a different way. They can't just be told to us as a list of, well, this is what's true about this. That's what's that. Do this. Don't do that. We get a lot of that in our lives. And if that's how John came at us with this vital information, we would probably miss it. We would ignore it or we would just deny that it's true. I think we've all probably experienced this in a close relationship. Um, Phil and I, I think we experience this often in our marriage, but it could be with a parent or with a close friend where somebody who loves you tells you something about yourself multiple times. Um, For example, (laughs) you get distracted easily when it's time to do what's important. Let's focus in, right? That's what I hear. Mm -hmm. Um, And every time you hear it, you kind of brush it off. Eh, eh, eh. And then somebody different, like maybe an author in a book or like a pastor in church, somebody different says the exact same thing. And you have this light bulb aha moment and you're like, my life has changed. I never knew this about myself. And that person who loves you stares at you and is like, I tell you that every week. (laughs) Like what is surprising? It's that. It's that we're so comfortable hearing the messages we're always surrounded with and we're so used to how we see the world that to catch our attention, we are triggered with images that we aren't instantly going to understand. We're not supposed to. It's supposed to make us stop and puzzle and think so that we actually start to see the root of something that is in our life that we wouldn't have noticed or recognized instantly. You know, the example I do use in the book is the example of David and the prophet Nathan. So David commits adultery with Bathsheba, right? And then essentially has the husband Uriah killed by putting him on the front lines. And so Nathan comes and tells him a story about a man stealing a sheep, right? And David is mad at this man. And then Nathan is like, you're the man. And at that point, David, if, if this was a if this was a court case, this is when everyone goes, oh, because it's like you can't it's like the person on the witness stand just admitted that they're the one who committed the crime. Right. Like you can't go back on it. And so David, by being told the story in a way that got him riled up and passionate, then he was told you're actually the one in the story. Had Nathan just come to him and been like, you shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. He might've gotten defensive, entrenched. He could have like 
you know, lengthened out the court battle. Instead, it was like he was trapped. He couldn't now disagree with it. So revelation makes us feel something. And those deep feelings are meant to reveal how we ought to feel about these things in the world. So we'll get to the beast and all those things later. Um, But essentially, this is a book against the systems of the world that lead to oppression and injustice and take away from the peace of the world. And it's trying to help us see that Jesus is the only one that brings peace, right? But the book is trying to help us feel that and then realize where are we participating on the wrong side? Where are we participating on the right side? And so I would encourage people to read this book, even if you don't understand it. You know, a lot of people read Revelation, they're like, well, I'm not going to read it again, or I'm so frustrated when I'm reading it because I'm not understanding it. And I would say, you may not be understanding it as you've been taught a 21st century person ought to understand something, meaning you get all the ins and outs of the language and what it means. But I bet you that your body is understanding it. I bet you that even if you don't know what everything stands for, like you said, take note of in this chapter, like read each chapter. And I mean, this would be a very basic practice to start with. Put next to each chapter what you're feeling in that chapter. Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it fear? Is it anger? Just write down those feelings and then sort of make connections over the book as a whole of why am I feeling this here? Why am I feeling that there? And you're going to start understanding the book, I think, on some level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And of course, we will help you flesh out some of the details of what is going on and what is being brought up with some different passages. But one thing that I really appreciated in chapter one, which it was just so lovely, um, is that chapter one really doesn't leave anything for you to guess at. Mm. It's very, it's very laid out so to speak you know he starts by saying here's who i am here's what's happened to me here's who god says he is this is who this is written to and then the very first imagery where we are um related is about the seven golden lampstands and then the seven stars and you've got and then it goes on and it says exactly the mystery of the seven stars you saw on my right hand and the seven things um, oh, shoot, I started on the wrong verse, didn't I? Oh, no, I was just a little early in the yeah. verse. Okay, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, who he referenced earlier in verse 11. This is to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And then the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And I thought that was lovely. So getting started, he's easing us in. It's almost like God knew that there'd be people like us down the road thousands of years later who need to hear this in a very logical way. You've got a lampstand. There's seven churches. There's a star, which is an angel looking out over each church. And the whole book is going to be dedicated to these seven churches and what they need to know in order to keep their fire and lamp burning. Yeah. Jesus is walking among them. And in the next week's episode, we'll dive into these seven churches and the significance of them and a little bit of the issues and challenges that they were facing. But it is significant that Jesus is walking among them, right? If these are the seven churches, you know, then we'll, we'll get to this in this episode, I guess, that seven is the number of completion or wholeness. And uh, there's a sense here in which these seven churches are meant to represent all churches, because it's the number seven, right? These mm-hmm. types of things don't happen in the Bible by accident. As we've right. spoken about other places, God doesn't waste ink, right? It's a rabbinical principle. And so 
if that number is there, the author knew what he was doing by saying seven. Mm-hmm. And oh, that, and God knew what he was doing by giving this vision, right? Right, because exactly. he knew the scholars were going to go oh, seven. Yeah. It's all churches. It's right. not just these specific. Right. So churches. this is a vision given to John that wasn't only about those seven churches. Then those seven churches are sort of the characterization. Yeah, they're the, the the sort of first symbol that this is the truth of what's happening in all times and all places with the church. It's just playing out among those seven that are there. But there's a sense in which Jesus continues to walk among the churches today and is challenging us and encouraging us, offering the same truths, the same promises, um, the same challenges, the same encouragements today. And so I think as we read the book of Revelation, we want to understand what what is it making us feel Why is that what God wants us to feel about that issue or that thing? Not because it's going to happen somewhere in the future, but because it's happening right now. And by right now, I don't mean this is the first time it's happening. We're living in the end times. I mean, every generation can look at this. And as Jesus is walking among those lampstands and is walking among those churches then and there too. And just to kind of, you you mentioned the fact that it's a vision. Now, that's something I think is really important and something that I think is really fascinating because we often talk about spiritual discipline, spiritual formation, and Bible study, of course, is one. So people might be like, well, you guys usually talk about prayer and meditation. Well, Bible study is also a very important one. But the fact that it's a vision, basically, that he was, I on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. I've always wondered how this happened. What happened? How was he just in the spirit? Yeah. Well, we know that at this point in time, the Spirit of God would come upon people in their baptism and stay with them, right? Like they came at Pentecost and now we've got the Holy Spirit stays with people through their life, which is really the first time that happened. Previously, the Spirit would come and go as God blessed it upon people. So, you know, one thought I'm having is we're always in the Spirit, Mm -hmm. but he seems to be aware of the spirit and what the spirit is saying to him. And so then I think about what we've learned about practices that help you become aware of the spirit of God. And I presume that he was probably either meditating on scripture or just meditating. Um, He was possibly in a community because it can happen there. Although with the detail here, that probably would have been a distracting place, but I don't know. Right. Um, <laughs> you know the you know you start thinking about well, where do we where do we feel the spirit move in our lives? It's when we're in prayer or reflection, maybe journaling. I don't know how much well, writing no, they did back then, right? But. And of course, it can happen in other times, right? That we can feel the movement of the spirit. But I I would agree that I mean it seems to me that you know revelation being so. Uh, full of Old Testament images, I I don't think it would be that far-fetched to say he was meditating on some sort of Old Testament scripture or reading it or praying over it or in some way making space for this to happen. I could be completely wrong, right? We could meet John someday and he could be like, no, I was walking down the street and got thrown to the side of the road. And this was, you know, sort of like a Paul-like experience, right? Or maybe he was sleeping. Right. It I mean, there's a dream as well. Yeah. But I mean, there there is this sense in which I don't think that this is just something 
that happened 2000 years ago. Um, it's, I don't think that this type of revelation and things necessarily ended. Now, I can't give you a formulation for how do you have this kind of vision, but I do think we can gain similar insights. I think we can hear from God. I think we can be in the spirit and clearly hear what the spirit is saying. But I'm, I mean, I'll just return to our tagline, right? That it's making space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so John to me seems like he was probably a person who made space and ended up having this experience. That's really exciting to think about. Right. I and mean, really, because the Bible, the Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It's the last recorded bit. But that doesn't mean it's the end of God working in the world. Right. And sometimes I think we can discredit more modern things because we're like, well, but that's not in the Bible. And yet the Holy Spirit hasn't stopped moving and working right. in the world. And I mean, obviously, you know, we don't want to take every dream or every thought to be, oh, this is God telling me this. There is discernment needed. There is testing the spirits, right? But um, I think we often, especially in the Protestant world, sort of delete the fact that so many things that happened in the Bible were dreams and visions. And we're happy to say the words, but I don't know that we talk very much about, well, wait a minute. People seem to have a lot of dreams and visions who wrote the Bible. Like, did that just stop? Or is that still something that's possible? And this goes back to our mind. We want it to be logical, mathematical, scientific. And when you're talking about these types of things like Revelation, there's nothing like, I mean, there's a lot logical to it when you understand, but it's a much more of this mystical type experience. And it's one of the most important books of the Bible for our day. And it's nothing like how a 21st century person would think. It's fascinating. So I think we uh, can maybe be open to God still moving in these ways. And I'm not saying I've had a vision before necessarily, um, but it is interesting to me that maybe we can look at what it would be like to reclaim those parts of our faith tradition. Yeah, that's exciting. Oh, okay. Well, I have to say I am excited for next week to dive into the seven churches that is one of my favorite parts of the book of Revelation, if I'm allowed to have a favorite. Um, I think all of us probably secretly do have a favorite or will by the end of this. But we hope that this was encouraging, that this gets you a little bit further in your understanding of Revelation and how to approach reading it. And that this next week, as you read chapters two and three, which are the ones we'll cover in our next podcast, you'll be able to really sit with and reflect on the different emotions that come up for you as you read about each church and the situation they're having. So with that, friends, thank you so much for joining us. I do highly encourage you go check out that Patreon link below so you can go deeper with us in the book of Revelation, as well as have access to our fresh insights, live events, and more. Thanks for being with us again, friends. May you be blessed as you engage the book of Revelation. Grace and peace be with you.